0: Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House
1: app. Well, you guys are in for a a, a special treat. You know, um, from time to time, I I like having a break. Um, But more importantly, I like bringing people in that are going to really feed you. And so you, one thing you can know is that uh, anybody who stands behind the podium and opens God's word is going to be uh, seasoned, vetted, mature, uh, developed, and has fruit. Because we, we believe that it is the fruit that remains. Um, since we started this church, really, even since Katie was a little girl, uh, she, um, she was in Texarkana, and she was under the, pastor, under the, the shepherding of the Millers, uh, John and Linnell Miller are here with us today, and John is going to to minister to you, and, and just so that you know, I think it's important uh, a couple times a year for you to meet the people that we are submitted to. If you go into Framework, you will uh, see their names, and they've been in relationship with us a long time, and you know as a pastor, you got to have someone you can call uh, when you can't call anybody else, and, and you have to have someone on the other line listening to your, your voice crack and not knowing what to do, uh, he's looked at our m- numbers, he's looked at our profit and loss, he's, he has been a part of everything that we are doing. Um, his wife, Linell calls Katie regularly on how to handle issues and the things that we we. I mean, they've been in ministry for over 40 years, and so I just want you to know that it's important that they're here. And, that, and we love that they're here. And so because honor is such a great thing in our church, you know, you can never repeat what you don't honor. And so when I ask uh, Pastor John to come up, I'm asking you to stand up and to honor him uh, mm-hmm. for what he has sowed into your life that you didn't even know. Come on. Y'all stand to your feet and let's Amen. give Pastor John a big hand.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, you may be seated. Tell your neighbor, they're looking better than the last time I saw you. <laughs> My Bible. Hey, it's great to see you today. It is hard to believe that Katie was in our youth group many moons ago. But uh, Pastor Stephen, he and I serve on the, our, our board of directors for Church on the Rock Network of Ministers. That's kind of our church association that uh, we're a part of nationally and around the world. But uh, I have known these guys a long time. Uh, My only mistake is I should have been charging Pastor Stephen if every time he called me, I could have had a nice (laughs) little nest egg by now. But uh, uh, in in all seriousness, you know, when you you, you go to church, or not just church, but life, if your kids are going to play on a ball team or you go to a workplace environment, the the, the first impression, the outside look at people is, you know, it can be deceptive. You can look at him. He dresses sharp. He's got a little rhythm for a white guy. Drives a nice <laughs> truck. He must be okay, you know. But how many know people have facades? You're not always sure what you get. But I can tell you, I have known them for many, many years, and I don't know of I don't know that I know anybody that's as as committed to trying to do the right thing. You know, there's a purity uh, uh, about Stephen and his wife. They deeply, deeply care about people, and you are fortunate to have them as your as your pastors. Uh, I really mean that. Give it up for them. We appreciate you very, very much. Is that everything you wanted me to say? Just kidding. He didn't say that. Katie asked me to, though. Okay, two fibs in 30 seconds, so I'm done, Okay. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where you might turn, but I want you to look on the screen first. There is this gadget. Does anybody know what that gadget is? What is it called? Yeah, where they check your eyes. It's called a phoropter. Can you say phoropter? That's what it's called. Well, you know what it does. You sit in the little chair, and they adjust that uh, they bring lenses in front of your eyes so they can get you to see 2020. they They'll try this one. Does that better? Is it one or is it two? One or two? One or two? And I want to suggest that a spiritual parallel to this phoropter is the Bible. The Bible, the Scripture, God's Word adjusts the way that we look at life. It adjusts the way that we look at ourselves. In, in my early Christian life, I didn't feel like God could forgive me. There were things that I had done. There was shame that I carried. But it wasn't until I stood on First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, come on, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my forgiveness was not based on how I feel or my perception. It was based on the truth of God's Word. And if there's just one thing that I could give you today that I felt would have the, the potential to change your life, it would be this, that if you, read, if you will read your Bible each day, if you will apply it to your life, it has transformational power. Uh, The scripture I I read today is in uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 5 and 16. Why don't we all read this together? It says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. Now, the words true, wrong, and right are not popular in American culture. Uh, We're not a culture that believes in absolute truth. Uh, We believe that every individual gets to determine truth, uh, that truth is relative, it's what I want it to be, whereas the Bible teaches that God is the one that's given the boundaries of life and our life goes better if we go God's way. Now, this morning we're going to take that foundation of the Bible and we're going to see what the Bible says about the local church family. Uh, You are here today uh, for a sermon and a song, or you are here today inquiring somehow about God, or perhaps you're here today because you want to be a part of a local church family of believers. And this is what I want to focus on this morning, the Bible's perspective on this subject. I would even go as far as to say outside of our biological family... The Bible teaches us that our spiritual family, our local church, are the most important group of people in our lives. And I'll go into this further and talk about why this is the case. This is not a club that we join. Uh, It's different, uh, you know, uh, of a club, of a team, you know, that just has a goal of winning a trophy or hanging out and and eating a meal periodically. We are the family of God. And uh, I want to go into this today. Now, look at three things. First, we'll go back to the source. We'll go back and look at the first original family, uh, church family. Then we'll look at several things, how the church benefits our spiritual life, how the church helps us connect to God. And lastly, we'll talk about what we bring to the church. So uh, let's, uh, let's begin. I've entitled the message, The House is My Home. How's that? <laughs> the House is My Home. It's trademarked, uh, so if you want to make T-shirts, you have to... Uh, put that in my fund. Okay, here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, an inside look at the first church family. Of course, the day of Pentecost, you know the Jews in Jerusalem, Jesus has been resurrected. He told the believers, wait in the city of Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes to you on this day or feast of Pentecost. It was one of the Jewish feasts. They would come throughout the Mediterranean world back home to Jerusalem at the temple to celebrate the feast. And it was so that there were 120 believers gathered in an upper room praying. After the prayer, the Holy Spirit fell in the place, the power of God. And then, lo and behold, 3,000 people, the Bible says, came to Christ. So now we've got a handful of Jews that followed Jesus, and we've got 3,000 people that are just there. They've received Christ, their life is transformed. What next? So here's where we pick it up, Acts 2 verse 42, we're looking at this as a model or as a paradigm for church life, uh, and I want you to say these first four words with me. All the believers devoted themselves. First of all, it was all of them. They, they recognized it was not a, you know, and nobody forced them. They'd found Christ, and now they found a church family. Uh, And this word, devoted, implies a depth of their commitment, first to Jesus, but then to their fellow believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That's the Bible. That's what this part of the service is about, is, is learning the Bible together, learning God's Word. They devoted themselves to fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. It implies deep, committed relationship. They devoted themselves to sharing meals. In other words, they hung out together. If this was in modern vernacular, it would say they ordered pizza and went to the Super Bowl together, and, 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 or watched it on television, and afterwards they shared the Lord's Supper. Notice verse 45, they sold their possessions, and they shared the money to those in need. I don't believe this is an eternal uh, uh, way that we're supposed to have as Christian communists or a commune, but you remember 3,000 people came to Jerusalem. They didn't have their debit cards with them. Uh, they didn't have jobs. They ran out of money. No, the Je- Other Jews hated them, and they wouldn't hire them, so they took care of one another as family. Uh, that's a good thing. And then lastly, it says the balance, verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. That's large church. This is like the temple worship. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So the large gathering and the intimacy of the small gatherings, it's like the two wings of a bird. I need both of them to be able to experience the growth that I, that I, I, I do in the Christian life. So uh, we are called out of the world. The word church means ecclesia, called out, uh, the Greek word, it's called out of the world, called out of the old lifestyle, the old value system, and called to be a follower of Christ with a body of believers. This is the basis of local church uh, uh, in our our world today. I would even go as far as to say you can't find New Testament Christianity apart from local body of believers. Now that's a big statement. But if you look at the New Testament, you see, uh, who was the book of Revelation written to? Seven churches in Asia Minor. Uh, Who was the book of Ephesians written to? The church in Ephesus the church at Colossae, the church in Thessalonica. So, so there was this sense of community that went hand in hand with belief in Christ. So uh, the Bible teaches that we relate to each other, it uses terms like older people are mothers and fathers, younger people are brothers and sisters. So this is kind of foundational. Now I want to look at uh, five things about how the local church family will help us to connect, connect to God and grow spiritually. I make this statement uh, in in all sincerity. I have been in pastoral ministry 40 years, and I have observed that those people that are vitally committed in a local church, their Christian life tends to be more deliberate, more effective, more consistent, uh, more productive for the kingdom of God. There's just something about the input, the rhythm, the people of the body of Christ that helps us uh, keep our primary focus in life, which is living for the Lord. So uh, let's look at these five things. The first one, a local church family offers this fellowship and encouragement to fellow believers. The big word is encouragement. Now Hebrews 10.23, I'll look at this passage, and it's going to talk about meeting together as a church, but listen to what it says first. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. In other words, things in life can pull you away from Christ. You can get down, you can get discouraged, Uh, a hobby could pull you away, Uh, an affair could pull you away. There's a million things out there, but what he's saying is, hold on to Jesus, hold on to serving Him as the most important thing in your life. And then he says this, he said, uh, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards loving good deeds. In other words, what can I do to encourage you to make a difference with your life for Christ? What can I do to encourage you to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, to invest your resources outside of yourself? Because one day, I mean, we're going to stand before God and give an account for our life. It's not just am I going to heaven or hell, but Jesus will ask us what did we do with our lives. So in this context of believers doing this encouragement, then he says this. uh, He says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, then like today... Some people just are not a part of church, or they're, or they're minimally committed. Uh, he says this. He said, encourage one another and do it all the more as you see the day approaching. The day is the second coming of Christ. So he underscores the necessity of you and I being in relationship with other Christians. Because here's something I've found. I, I've become like the people I hang out with. Corinthians says, bad company corrupts good character. If I hang out, I have a friend from my childhood, and he sends me some Facebook stuff, and it's almost a throwback from the past. Before I know it, he's got me listening to some of the old rock and roll music again. And uh, Are you with me? It's like the people you that influence you. Now, I'm not saying not to have friends that are not Christians. We want to influence everyone. But I need to have is this circle of my key influencers, people that are drawing me closer to Christ. You know, I need this. I need this encouragement because life happens. Just the last few days, I talked to someone who lost their job. Uh, I, I talked to someone who, uh, uh, whose married. They got divorced. Uh, I talked to someone who was in a custody case over their children. Uh, I talked to someone who didn't even know if God existed anymore, a young teenage girl. All of us need somebody to help us along. And that's one of the greatest things. You know, they talked about life groups, the church is not marketing products. They're offering opportunities for spiritual growth. And and outside of the the, the, the local gathering in on the weekend, boy, if you could get in part of, of one of these smaller groups somehow, some way, you would meet people and it'll help you. So that's the first thing. Um, I, I see two negative trends I just want to allude to in the church as I've watched over the years. One is that Christians isolate themselves. We live in a world today where, listen, you can can believe in Jesus and go to heaven and not go to church. Come on. But being a part of a church family makes the journey easier. It makes it more significant, more productive. Don't isolate yourself. The other trend that I see happening in the church is that people are a part of a number of churches. It's what I call our behavior like a consumer, and I'll compare it to restaurants. If you live in Texarkana and you say, man, let's get a burger today. I want to go to I-30 Burger. It's just the best. Uh, if you want the best pizza in Texarkana, uh, don't order Papa John's. Are you with me? They're not bad now. I like Papa John's better than Domino's, but if you want real pizza, drive in town and go to Joe's Pizza. You know, if you want home cooking, you go to Cracker Barrel. What, what, uh, th- that's the thinking of a consumer. And then we look at church and we say, Man, if you want to go to this church, it's got this rocking new building. Go to this one. If you want to go to church, that has got this greatest children's program. They got an ark, and they got they got they got this for kids, and they got that. That's where you go. And then there's a speaker coming here. And before you know it, we're behaving just like the consumer, B- because it's 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 kind of all about me. But this church family can't just be all about me, you know. I believe, over, you know, it's foolish for us to think that you'll be a part of this church or, or any church the rest of your life. But in the seasons of life, you want to find where the Holy Spirit's calling you to be, put your roots down deeply, receive, but also give. Let me tell you the danger of this multi church approach. I experienced it when I was in the Navy in Okinawa, Japan. I was 20 years old, 21, on fire for God. I was a part of every Christian activity on the island. Every week I went to four different Christian groups. But I had a crisis in my life. I had a crisis of faith, and uh, I I just, you know, I just collapsed. I thought, I'm going to show God because he didn't answer my prayer. I'm not going to church anymore. Well, I did just drop out of everything and just sat depressed in my room for two months or two weeks. And, and you know which one of those groups of the four called me? They loved me. They knew my face, but we didn't. We weren't connected enough to be in relationship, so when I had a great need in my life, I didn't have anybody. Okay, let's move along. That, that part of encouragement of the local church. The second part of a local church, why it's so important, is it makes it easier to engage in our God-given mission. Now I want to I- impress this upon you. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations? He didn't just give that to the original twelve apostles. See, he gave that to all of us. One of, the, uh, one of the, 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 I guess, saddest thing that's happened in the church is the pulpit. You know, the pulpit is a product of the Middle Ages. Uh, people were illiterate and biblically illiterate, and the educated person on this side of the pulpit would teach the people. It became clergy and laity, and it became the clergy's job to do the ministry and the people's job just to, I guess, sit and listen and have a better life. But the Bible says that the responsibility of the pastor-teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So it, it, it's like this is not the end point. This is where uh, I, I come in and get my car tuned up. I get full of gas, so I go out in the world and do my job. Well, guess what? It is easier to connect to this mission through the local church. Right now in Texarkana, we have one of our members. He's, a, 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 he's out right now in India he, he, he works with several churches over there. He said, look, can we help them as we go? We want to raise a little money. They don't have fresh water to drink. You know, can we get them? You know, and he's had this long list of things. Well, before we know it, we'd raise thousands of dollars. And guess what? The whole church is behind him going to India. It's like we're connecting. You know, we've got a, uh, if I were to ask you, where would you send money to the underground church? Most of us would have no clue and most of us would never do it. And you might even do this, but we have a globe on our uh, on our stage, and we cut a hole out of it. I just encourage people to put a dollar a week in it, and then when we get it up to a thousand dollars, we buy Bibles for the underground church somewhere. I, I mean, it's like, you know, how about helping homeless people? You may not know how, you may not even know where homeless people are, but if you have a burden and you want to help, I guarantee you, someone in this church knows how. So this mission. Is accelerated because of our involvement in the church. Here's the third one, and this is this is a big one. A local church family has spiritual leaders that watch over our soul. Now you might not have even known this is in the Bible, but I call it a spiritual covering. But let me read you Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them." Now who can say I don't want to do? That. Come on, why? why? Not really. I don't want to obey anybody. My, my, I don't want to submit to anybody. I don't, I, I, I'm kind of like my two-year-old uh, 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 grandson. My wife, by the way, she's here. I want to honor Linnell. Would you just stand, sweetie? <laughs> and my son John's next to her, and, and uh, uh, my favorite daughter-in-law, Brittany, and uh, uh, my youngest grandson. But my two-year-old that uh, uh, loves me, used to really love me. Now he's telling me no a lot. He's saying, you know, I said, you want Pops to get in bed with you? No. Can Pops sit watch cartoons? No. Uh, you know, it's like I'm, I'm going to kind of do, do it, with it. So that's part of who we are as people. Why in the world would the Bible say obey a spiritual leader? Now, I'm not talking about an authoritarian that's going to take you to the jungles of, you know, South America and give you Kool-Aid. I mean, <laughs> Jim Jones, okay? We're not talking about some cultic kind of thing. We're talking about someone that genuinely cares about you, a pastor, an elder, a life group leader, not someone that wants something from you, but 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 like a shepherd that cares for sheep, uh, watches over you. Here's why: it says they are keeping watch over your souls. Well, I don't know about you, but I want somebody watching out for me. I tell I have a pastor, Pastor Sunny Kanaser, and I say, hey, listen, I want you to catch me before I mess up. Whenever a preacher, you know, a big-name preacher in America does something stupid, and, you know, it's all over Facebook and Charisma and everywhere else, we have a little text among our friends, and I say, Look, please stop me before I mess up. Ask me those questions. Watch over my soul. That's a healthy thing. It's a healthy thing. Uh, Okay, uh, let me give you another one. A local church family helps us get back on track with God if we fall away. Uh, Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, there's the word. If someone is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly, not self-righteously, but help that person back on the right path. You know, I I have friends right now in our church, people that I care about. I know one person that's offended, got offended over something, breaks my heart, been offended for a year. We still love this person. We still text them. We still pray for them. There's a young girl, she's about 20 this fellow seduced her away, and she got away from God, and she came back. And I could just tell that when she came in, she was thinking, you know, what are people going to think about me? You open your arms and you love. This is something powerful. But, but, but here's the deal. If you just come for the sermon and the song in this or any church, nobody's going to come looking for you. But if you're in relationship with someone, see, then, then it happens. Let me give you one more. Local church covers us in prayer when we're facing spiritual warfare. You say, well, what's that about? I'm glad you asked. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, and in a nutshell, Paul said, We don't want you to be informed. Here's the word. See, when I do this, I want you to say what's on the screen, okay? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, yeah, uh, about our troubles under great pressure. We despaired of life itself. It means it was so bad he thought he's going to die. He said, uh, uh, God delivered us, verse 10, from this deadly peril. He'll deliver us again. But what's verse 11 say? As you help us by your prayers. This is absolutely one of the most beneficial parts of being a part of a group of mature believers to help you through life's tragedies in the place of prayer. Five, six years ago, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now look. That that, that puts a huge pause in life. But it was in that time that we literally experienced a closeness to God we'd never known before. But we experienced, I, I literally could feel the prayers of people. You know, it's like, I mean, not literally being elevated, but it's kind of like, you know, someone picking you up and holding you. This is what local church is about, and that's why it's God's idea. Come on, give, a, give the Lord a good hand. good hand. Let me give you a couple things. What does God uh, what, do, what does God expect us to do, me to do, us to do, in our local church family? Um, I'm going to give you a couple things here. The first one, and I think perhaps the most important, is God expects us to use our God given gifts and abilities. First uh, Peter four ten, each of you punch your neighbor and say you're in each. Not too hard. Each of you has received a Gift from the Holy Spirit, right? To do what? To serve others. Now, this gift, it could be the gift that you use in your vocation. It could be the, the, just the gift of cooking. I mean, it, look, if you're going to eat, isn't it nicer to eat something that tastes really good? <laughs> sure it is. Well, maybe you have this ability to cook, and maybe you're at a place of life where you've got free time. You know, when people get out of the hospital, or when people have a baby or in trouble, you know, they don't feel like cooking. One of the greatest things you can do is just pass a little love around. Come on, how many feel like getting, getting sick just to get some of that? Yeah, yeah. So, so don't just think these are super spiritual gifts. Gifts are just capacities and ability to help people. And we all have something, a deposit from the Holy Spirit in us. The Bible likens uh, the gifts. If you are reading 1 Corinthians, it said some of us are like hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are ears or a nose. Uh, imagine if you're a thumb. And have you ever thought about how cool the thumb is? Uh, it's easy to just do like. But how about picking up something without a thumb? I mean, I, I'm, if I'm going to pick up this chair, this thumb helps me hold on to it. But, but if I don't, have, I don't have that, it's just a little harder to get it. Well, what if you're a thumb at the house? And I don't want to make you feel bad. I just want to say, we need you. We need what you have. You need what I have. Together we are the body of Christ. Let me keep going here. Uh, So God wants us to use our God-given gifts and abilities. Now, the second one I'm going to give you here, and I'm going to read you something. Um, God expects us to support our church financially. Uh Three yes and two oh me's or oh my's. Um, (laughs) Let me me read you a scripture. Malachi 3.10, scripture said, Bring the full tithe, 10% of what God gives us, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So it's two reasons in our giving. Number one is for me. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in all the Bible was, what did he say? He said, love the Lord with all your heart. So if my treasure is where my heart is, doesn't it make sense that my money needs to be be channeled towards God? Otherwise, something else will get in it and it'll pull my heart away. Our giving offers also also opens God's blessing in our lives. You know, somehow when I entrust the 10% or an offering on top of that to God, God anoints or blesses the balance of my life. But I want to tell you something about giving and the church because if God never gave me a penny back, I hope I would still be a giver to honor Him and obey Him for what He's already done for me. But let me tell you what collectively happens when we give. See, the, the, you know, what you guys have done, how, how many years, how old is the church? Not even four years old, almost four years old, yeah. your second building about to go in three services. That's just That just doesn't happen oh, very wow. much. Wow. <laughs> what, what's it going to be, Sunday night at 5 o'clock? Sunday night at 5 o'clock, you're going to start a third service. Okay, Uh so what's the deal, Pastor? Well, the kids that are being affected. Let me t- well let me give you a, read something to you. We had a great December, and we practice in our church tithing just like your church practices, not just for the people giving but for the church giving. And we had a great December, and we were looking for a missions opportunity. We're looking for a need, and I, I have had a burden for the nation of Israel. We support a missionary there and have for for quite a while. But uh, uh, we wanted to help them, uh, maybe even build a church, do something bigger. And they told us that they were had a vision for establishing a life giving church in every uh, ancient Philistine stronghold. And one of the cities was called uh, Ascalon. If you remember it in the scripture, so we sent them the equivalent of a year's rent uh, for the whole for the whole year for the church. But well, listen to what they wrote back though, uh, Shalom. Uh, This is such wonderful news. You guys just covered the rent for our Ashkelon Congregation and Humanitarian Center for the entire year of 2020. Words cannot properly convey how thankful we are for your love and generosity. I'm completely honest when I say that we're not able to impact this nation for Jesus without the help of friends like you. Please convey our heartfelt thanks to everyone at Church on the Rock. I pray God will bless you guys according to the promise to Abraham in Genesis twelve three. I will bless those who bless you. Now, doesn't that just make you just, not just feel good, but feel like you have done a, something for the kingdom that's going to matter for all eternity? Well, it's the same thing in your church, you know? And you're not here because we want your money But we want to give you an opportunity to invest your money in something eternal. Come on, say praise the Lord. Let me give you a couple more. The clock's about to catch me. The third one, uh, God expects us to guard the unity of His church. Now, this is a big one. How many have been involved in a church split? Let me see your hand. Isn't it one of the most painful things you've ever done in your life? people that you thought you trusted, you couldn't trust, people that you thought loved each other didn't love each other. Satan got in somehow. i read a scripture. Uh, Ephesians 4, now listen to this. He says, be humble and patient, this is how we treat people, bearing with one another in love, and say this with me, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So what does that mean? Satan, one of Satan's greatest tools to destroy a local church is division. And division happens because we get offended. We have theological disagreements. I have someone in, in my church that regularly writes me why he's totally against some a practice that we have. And I've, I've, I've sent a position paper, and I don't even want to respond to him anymore. And I was preaching on this the other day, and he said, You know what? I, I've decided I'm going to agree to disagree with you because I don't want to bring harm to our church. He says the cause of Christ is greater than this disagreement because there are men smarter than both of us on both sides of this issue. Listen, don't let Satan get a foothold in the house. Don't let him use you as a gossiper. Don't let him use you as a backbiter or a backstabber because it's bigger than the issue at hand. Is the ultimate kingdom of God. This doesn't mean we sweep issues under the rug. We still deal with them, but we deal with them in a loving manner. Come on now. We, 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 we keep what Christ died for. Because listen, friends, you're impacting today. Who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people in northwest Arkansas. Who knows in the future the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people here and around the world that you will impact. Don't you think Satan wants to stop that? Tell your neighbors, say, we're not going to let him do it. And I'm going to close with this thought. I need a a minute. Who will give me a minute? One minute, two, three, four, five, six. I didn't need that many. Here's the last one. The last thing God expects of us is to love one another. That sounds real simplistic. You know, Jesus had one big commandment. He was not like Moses. He didn't have ten. And if you don't do it, I'm going to get you. He simply said this. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. This this is why we forgive people that hurt us. This why this is why we reconcile rather than split. This is why when a homeless person walks in the door that smells, you welcome them just like you do your friend. This is why. When a divorcee walks in, a prostitute, or whatever the case is, people that feel shame about what they've done. I mean, no, shame is a horrible thing. It's hard, to, it's hard to remember Sanctity of Life Sunday because we remember abortions, and 50% of us have had firsthand. Come on. Men included, I understand. But yet, the love of Christ somehow opens its arms to all these things because Jesus didn't put a lot of restrictions on John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to love people the way He loves me. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. He's worthy of praise. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet? It has been an honor for us to be with you. But before you turn on to Pico Taco or wherever you're headed, would you do this for me? I ask my church that I pastor to do this every time after we have been together. Because, you see, the most important thing the pastor does during the week is pray and prepare to feed God's people. And the hope and anticipation is that there'll be a voice within the voice, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And in some way, the Word of God shapes us, that we don't leave the way we came, we leave grounded. We leave anchored. We leave with that, having allowed that phoropter of the scripture to adjust our thinking. And we become better people because of it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel
1: free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.